He's worthy this morning. Amen. Worthy is that lamb who was slain. The word of God says that there isn't a man born before or one that has come after that is greater than our Savior. Amen. He's the Son of God, the second in the Godhead, even on the farm. <laughs> Amen. He's worthy this morning. He's worthy to be praised. We're going to go to glory and spend all of eternity, whatever's left of eternity, it blows the human mind to understand a time without time. And what we're going to do is we're going to gather around the throne and we're going to sing praises to the Lamb. That's it. What more glorious ending to a story than to have our Savior come, die on a cross, buried in the earth three days, raised on the third day, ascend into the heavens to call us to be with Him. Amen. I'm excited this morning. Uh, last week was heavy to say the least. Uh, we had plans to be in Kentucky viewing the ark. Uh, actually coming back today, we had uh, my father scheduled and I wanted to keep that. So they're here with us today. So we want to invite them up. I think we or they have a song and and uh, dad's going to speak to us this morning. So let's give him and the Lord a hand clap this morning. Amen. Yeah, glory. Good to see everyone here this morning. Amen. Good to be here myself, ourself. Amen. We're going to, Sister Bridget's is going to sing. Everybody knows I don't sing. I'm going to try and play. It's wonderful to be here this morning. Amen. 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 It's us all being together, but I know the Lord has other plans. And, uh, you know, we raise our children to follow the, the Lord here. Not mom and daddy. Even though we get opinionated a lot of times. But we want them to follow God. Mm -hmm. Pray that their family is the same way. We love the Lord this morning. We appreciate this little body, part of the family, family of God, hallelujah. He's in the midst of our soul, he's in the valley we walk. Oh 
step up in the word of God. Kind of like the Christians are being pushed back in the corner. Kind of being told, hush, why everybody else rolls around. But it's time we step up. Hallelujah. So step into the water. Wait out a little bit deeper. Come join angels singing praises to the Lamb of God. Oh, step into the water. Wait out a little bit deeper. With your feet in the waters of His love. Oh, step into the water. tech than what us country folk used to <laughs> we still got the old old set of drums where you beat it loud as you can uh, but no it, i'm happy she sang that song i believe there's no no truer statement than you know god is in the midst you know it, it reminds me of david's and david in the lion's den or daniel in the lion's den my bad how many people mixed up but, you know even even in that situation god was in the midst of that 
you know, he shut the lion's mouth and gave him the the faith to be calm in the situation. It reminds me of the scripture where Paul and Silas and all them was thrown in the, the prison cell and God gave them the courage to sing a little bit in a bad situation. You know, God was in the midst of that too. So it is kind of a, a sobering feeling knowing that no matter what we go through in this life, God gives us the courage to know that He's in the midst too. All we got to do is give Him a little bit of praise, have a little bit of faith that He'll shut the, the lion's mouth and just have the courage to know that He's going to bring you through it. You don't have to know the outcome of it. You don't have to be able to see into the future. You just got to have a little bit of faith and put it in the right hands. And God will bring you through it. You know, and I believe that that's our call as a, a Christian believer nowadays more than any is just have faith and show it where it needs to be shown. You know, you don't have to be the loudest speaker in the room. You just got to be able to have the brightest light shining. You know, and... <laughs> Y'all didn't get to see it, but that that's one of Bentley's favorite songs is let his little light shine and he usually stands up with his little finger. You know, sometimes that's all it takes in a dark room is just a little finger to be shown. And it doesn't have to be our finger. It's just got to be Christ's finger through us showing in that dark situation. Well, most of you know me. Oh. I never ask what to preach, and I never tell anybody what I'm preaching. Uh, but you'd think Keith was reading my notes up here. And that's what I'm going to uh, try and preach to you tonight is on courage. You know, in my mind, there's only really two, mes two needs for a message. As first is for salvation. And secondly, to... Uh, to help a Christian further or expand their experience in, their experience in God. Outside of that, it's all just talking. Uh, but if you would, turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. I'm going to go through several different scriptures and that high-tech stuff, they're going to have it up behind me. But uh, don't get nervous if I add something they don't have or if I say a word that's not just exactly quite right. Oh, but I am going to try and give you what God has given me this morning. Oh, we do appreciate being here. Oh, Brother Scott had called me and said that they had, Brother Matt had got picked up. And, you know, I always counted a, a honor to come and speak. But I really like coming here. We've been here so long. This is about like home. We started coming in the old building over there and seeing this building be built. Nice, wonderful place. Uh, but you know, when you start going somewhere a lot, it just becomes familiar. And I try to never come and just preach uh, to people to try and get a message, you know. So uh, with all that being said, this is going to be an uplifting message. I heard a preacher say the other day, preachers talk and preachers scream. So if I get a little loud, I'm not mad. Don't worry about that. Most of you know how I am. You never know what you're going to get. We'll just see what God's going to do. Amen. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22 says, And straightway,
Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they that cried out, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto the water. Come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying of a truth, Thou art the Son of God. Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you for the anointing. God, I thank you for this people. And I pray, help me to speak in this great house just for a little while. In Jesus' name, amen. We know the story or the whole of the chapter here. You should know it. But Jesus had fed the multitude and, and then he sent the disciples away. He said, y'all go to the other side and I'm going to deal with this crowd. And he said, I'm going to meet you on the other side. Uh, the disciples left, and we know up in the night, Jesus just starts walking on the water. A lot, a lot of this, this story right here has troubled me over the years, and I'm still not going to tell you that I have the total understanding of it because even this morning as I was studying, there were some things going over in my mind I hadn't had a chance to go back and restudy, so I might hear this again for long. But uh, Jesus finds them, and he says, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Now, in, a, in English, that's something you would expect to hear, but in, in their language, when you look it up, it means totally different. Be of good cheer, I found this in the Nelson's Bible Dictionary, though I know a lot of y'all do a lot of, studying around here so this information most of it came out of the nelson's bible dictionary be of good cheer means to have courage and be not afraid means to frighten to be alarmed or to be in awe of uh, you know sometimes we're really put off when we see god move but you know it's really because we're not expecting him to. At, at, to be in awe of, you know, we're, we are to be in awe of God, and when he moves, we are in awe. But it seems like when you really get to see a miracle, it's like, wow. But Jesus is telling them here, don't do that. Be expecting it. 
be expecting me to move, be expecting me to stand up behind my word. So he says to have courage and don't be alarmed. So basically what Jesus is telling them is be courageous. Don't be affected or scared by what you're seeing. That's what I'm telling you here this morning. Don't be affected by what you're seeing. Bad? It's going to get worse. Evil men's going to wax worse and worse. Amen. That's who's leading this nation. But you got to know God is in control. Uh, I'm not going to get real political. I don't know if they're taping it, but don't need to get them in too much trouble. But those that's in control is not trying to raise up the United States. They're trying to bring it down. But God is in control. Whatever God wants to happen is going to happen. Whoever God wants in control is going to be in control. Amen. What we don't understand or what we we try to we try to conform our life to think we are in control, but we're not. God's in control. Uh, you know, Peter gets out of that boat. He does all right for a while, and then he begins to sink. He calls on Jesus, and Jesus lifts him up. And then he says something very curious. O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Now that man just stepped out of a boat. He had enough faith to know when Jesus said, come, he's going to help me. And he stepped out and he began walking. So this is one of the things that's always troubled me. But when I got to studying this and reading it, this came from the Nelson's Bible Dictionary, thou, thou of little faith means incredulous. Now I preached this around the I didn't know what it meant. I looked it up. They even asked Sister Bridget if she helped me figure out how to say that. Incredulous means lacking confidence in Christ. O thou of little faith, why did you have, why did you doubt him? What he was telling him. Not so much of his faith, but why did you doubt me? I told you to come. Why did you doubt me? Incredulous, now this came out of, I think I got a Thompson's Dictionary. It's old, Brother Matt. My grandma gave it to me when I was just a child. So this dictionary is old, but it ain't real political correct. Incredulous means not ready to believe. Jesus told him, why was you not ready to believe? Credulous. You know, I found out what incredulous means. I had to find out what credulous was. Now, believe it or not, I'm saying that pretty close to right. C-R-E-D-U-L-O-U-S. Got some teachers in here. I know they sitting on the edge of the seat. Credulous means too ready to believe, easily deceived. And, buddy, that's where the church is today. These two places, not ready to believe and too ready to believe. 
and either one is dangerous. Look like y'all might get the teacher today. You're lucky. Did thou doubt means to duplicate or to waver in opinion. Why did you waver? You know, he got out of that boat knowing he was going to be able to walk on that water. There was no other reason for him to get out. But then he began to sink. Jesus said, why did you waver? We're going somewhere. Y'all hold on. According to the Nelson Bible Dictionary, this term is used only by the Lord, and it was a tender rebuke for anxiety or fear. Man, what a tender rebuke. O oh, thou of little faith, why for didst thou doubt? Man, that seemed like a slap to me. I believe we should remain somewhere in between these two definitions. Not jumping on every theology that comes through, but also not immovable. Some's just too ready to jump. You tell them something, and buddy, they run with it. Don't know what they stand on, know what they believe, don't know what the Word says. What does God have to say about this new thought that's coming along? And then there's some you couldn't move with a stick of dynamite. My great-grandpa told me, well, great-grandpa might have had a wrong interpretation. But we cannot be immovable. What we have to be is scholars of this Word. We got to study to show ourselves approved. We got to know what we stand on. It's just not enough because the pastor says such and such, and you got a good pastor, not just because he's my son, but uh, where we come from, we have a good pastor, but he teaches us not to take my word. Go study. Go find what does the word of God say about it. You know, when we got saved, there was. Uh, Preachers, it was before us, and, and they was doing the best that they could, but some of the stuff that they preached just wasn't in this Bible. Scriptures that they based the whole message off of just wasn't here, Sister Bobby. I, you know, when I started studying, and I got to trying to find that Scripture to look it up, and it wasn't in there, it just blew me away. Maybe half-quoted something or took off a thought from somebody else and wind up getting a message made out of it. Doesn't mean it didn't help us. But you got to know what you stand on. Man is not made to walk on the water. Has anybody here ever walked on the water? No, me neither. Man's not made to walk on the water. But Jesus and Peter did. Anything is possible with God. But what I want to tell you is God just simply hold up, told the water to hold Peter up. Wasn't nothing Peter done. God just simply made that water hold him up. A lot of what I'm fixing to go over here with you, I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm going to tell you because it's in this Bible and I believe it and I know it happened. But just like Peter, everything I'm going to go over with you about, God made happen. 
These people didn't make it happen. God made it happen. Jesus just told him to be courageous and not in awe or amazed by what's happening. How could you not be amazed by walking on the water? But you see, he got his eyes off of what was happening, and he got his eyes on the situation. Folks, we cannot have our eyes on the situation. Now, it's a lot going on. Sister Bobby and I was talking about that little baby. How could things happen like that? Never know, but I know we got a nice little addition to our family. I see God moving. We don't understand why or how. We just got to understand that God is doing what God wants to do. We could look at many stories of the Bible, but if you would, well, you don't have to. They're going to put it up. I'm going to read out of 1 Samuel chapter 17, talking about when Jesse sent David with the food to go check on his brothers. To take his bread and cheese down there and go see what's going on and come back and report back to me. Just a simple little task. Said David left his carriage. This is 17 and 22 where I'm starting. David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army. He came and saluted his brother. And as he talked with them, behold, there came, there came up the champion the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him, for they were sore afraid. So all these great mighty men of valor, the armies of God, ran because they were scared. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up surely to defy Israel? Is he come up? And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spoke to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? You want to know who it was that should defy God? See, that's where the church should be. We we under great attack everywhere we look. Uh, I did hear that they put in, Oh, what is it, in God we trust back in the school? That's great. That's great. People finally started praying and saying something. But this Bible, the true word of God, is under attack everywhere. Everywhere you look. Uh, David said, And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Elab his eldest brother heard when he spake unto the men, and Elab's anger was kindled against David and said, Why hast thou come down hither? And with whom has y'all have you left a few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, 
for thou art come down as thou mightest see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Is there, is there not a cause? You got to admire David. He said, what did I do? I didn't do nothing. I done what daddy told me to. I'm doing my job. Why aren't you doing yours? And he turned, and he turned him toward another and spake after the same manner, and the people answered him again after the former manner. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul and David, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight this Philistine. So this young man told the king, don't let nobody be worried about this. All those great men, don't let them be scared. I'll go take care of it. Can you imagine? I've heard them say, and I didn't take time to look it up, at how old he was at this time, but he was a young man. But I do know that he was not supposed to be battle ready. That's why he was at home tending to the sheep. David told the king, said, don't let none of them worry. I'm going to go face this giant. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. Thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said to Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. And my servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. How many of you ever fought with a bear? A lion? How many would want to? You see what I'm getting at right here? God took care of that. I know David's hands was on the bear. David's hands was on the lion. But David didn't do that. I know that David's hand was on that sling. I know that he threw the rock. I don't doubt it a bit because it's in this Bible. Bible don't lie. I don't know, Brother Matt, you're probably about the biggest fellow. You think you could throw a rock and kill me? See where I'm going with this? That little boy slung that rock and hit the only spot on that giant that he could hit him and not hit armor and then killed him with that rock, same rock. See, God done that. But David was fighting the battle in the right attitude. He's standing up for God. He's standing up for God's people. He's standing up for God's army. He said this uncircumcised Philistine is defying the army of God. See, when God is with you, you don't have to do anything but show up. You just have to be courageous. You know, it's hard to be courageous. You have a multitude of people that would run behind you and say, 
get him, get him, get him, get him. See, David wasn't after money. He wasn't after the freedom of his people, his household, and he wasn't after the king's wife. But he was standing up for God. God was preparing him when he killed that lion and that bear. You see, God ain't going to just put you in a situation where you, you, uh, you have to stand up and be courageous with nothing to lean on. You see, you can be courageous if you have confidence in what you know. That's why it's important to study this word. To know what you know. To know why you stand. See, if you, if you are standing on a, a, a thought or an idea that the pastor is giving you, you'll never know if it's real. But if you're standing on something that God is giving you, then you've got courage. Then you have confidence. See, Peter had done seen enough to know. He said, if that's really you, let me come out there to you. And Jesus didn't make no big deal about it. He just said, come. We know that David didn't defeat a bear or a lion or a giant, but that God did. And that's where David's faith was. He wasn't fighting for money or a woman. He was defending the, armor, the honor of God's great army. He said, is there not a cause? I pose that question to you this morning. Is there not a cause? It's a greater cause now than it's ever been. David never said, I'm going to go kill this giant. He said, God will deliver him into my hand. And don't think that you're going to go change this world. You know, I've never saved a person. I've never healed a person. I've never removed depression or anything else from a person. But I've sure prayed for a lot of them that got saved. I was there when God touched them. Was there when God removed whatever off of their life. You got to understand, it's not us working the work. We just following the orders. God says, pray, pray. He says, get out of there, leave them alone. There's no need to be there. There's nothing we can't accomplish through God's ability. But we must realize God is in control and making us victorious. He makes us strong. He makes us courageous. We must never get the big head. Well, there it comes. You know it had to get out of here some kind of way. It ain't me, it's him. And we got to realize that. I see a lot. That's the downfall of a lot of preachers. They get thinking they say I'm something. Well, look at the message I put together. Oh, Sister Bobby, we've seen that a bunch. Look what I've accomplished. Look what I've done. It ain't us. If God elevated you up, that's because you submitted to him enough. He brought you up. 
where that comes from. It ain't me. You know what? You can read this from cover to cover. Spend all your time figuring out what every word means. Without God's Spirit, it's nothing. Without the leadership of God, you just roar in your head. I know I told them I was going to read this, but we all know the story. We'll just talk about it just a minute. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I've been in fire. I ain't never been thrown in a furnace, but I've been burnt. And it's not fun. I'll go ahead and tell you that. The men that threw them in the fire died. Never got in it. As they threw them in there, they died. And then they got to looking. And them old boys is having a party in that furnace. With an extra man, Brother Gene. See, he's in that fire with us. He don't leave us alone. But you talk about courageous. They told that king in verse 18. Let me see. Let's back up just a little bit. Verse 16. Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. In other words, we ain't wasting no time. It don't bother us a bit to tell you what we're fixing to tell you. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. In other words, God's more than able to deliver. And he will, because that's what he had asked him. So who's going to save you from me? And he said, God's more than able to save us from this fiery furnace. And he's more than able to save us from you. But he said, if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. In other words, my God's big enough to save me, but if he don't, I'm still not serving your God. If I could leave one thought with you, church, to stand up for the word of God. Sooner or later, it may cost you your life. We bless right now, it don't, but it might later on. We don't know how bad it's going to get before he come gets us. He's going to come get us one day, folks. We're going home one way or the other. But it may cost you your life. You don't know. All across this nation, away from here, they, they drag them out and beat them for preaching the gospel. Pastors, they pull them right out of the church. One day it could get like that right here. He said, either way, we are not serving your God. And they stood up to the king and said, it don't matter what you do. We will not bow to a false God. And folks, every day we are posed with that question. You're going to bow to a false God or are you going to stand up and serve God? 
we could go on and on and on. You know, Samson, and you could talk about him in so many places. But it said Samson caught 300 foxes, tied them with a firebrand, tail to tail. And I, it, I don't know why it just caught my attention this morning when I was praying. I, I looked it up, and a fox runs, depending on what species you look at, 30 to 45 miles an hour. They can jump six foot straight in there. Can you do that? Some of you fellas out there is young. You think you could catch a fox running 45 miles an hour? Me neither. Not without my shotgun, I couldn't. But he said he caught them, tied them tail to tail, turned them loose in the cornfield. See, it's just God doing all these things. It don't matter what situation is facing you. Trust in God. Trust in God. Be courageous. Don't be scared. And then when it happens, don't be in awe. That's a catch-22 because you got to praise him for who he is. But just don't be dumbfounded when God moves. Be expecting it. You see, it's still just as amazing when you're expecting it. But if it don't catch you off guard, then you're ready to praise him for it. You're ready to lift him up for who he is and what he can do. I tell you, there's nothing better than serving God. Nothing more fulfilling. But you know the best thing about it? Brother Matt, when I lay my pillow, my head on my pillow at night, and I know I'm right with God, he's talking to me and I'm hearing him. You talk about confidence. You realize just how big God is. But yet he takes time to look at each one of us. To care about what we do. You know, I look at them two grand boys, them grandbabies we got. <laughs> and you know, as Popo, you kind of got to stand up to their word. They do something and they say, where'd you learn that from? Papa taught me that. And sometimes it's very easy to say, yep, I sure did. <laughs> and sometimes it's not. But you know, when you're standing up for God's word, he's going to always back up his word. You run off out there, you know, if Jesus would have got up from praying and said, you know, I just don't feel like going rowing a boat. I'm going to walk. He might have sunk too. I don't know. But I guarantee you in that prayer, God told him just get up and go across. He had a direction every time he went. You follow him through the scriptures most of the time before he goes somewhere, he's coming out of prayer. He got an agenda. He's doing. He said, <laughs> my words are my father's words the deeds I do are his see as long as we serving God as long as we doing what he tells us to 
long as we're moving in the line that he pushes us in, he's going to always back up his word. Buzz got come.